This week we return to Silent Hill after getting a letter from our dead wife, ironically feeling like it's our first time here. Well, either way, it's time to creep through the fog and delve into Silent Hill 2. In my restless dreams, I see that town. Silent Hill. You promised you'd take me there again someday, but you never did. Well, I'm alone there now, in our special place, waiting for you. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101's podcast, uh, this week covering Silent Hill. Um, being the middle of uh, October, I hope you all are enjoying your horror fest as much as I am, um, frantically getting through to prepare myself for uh, next week's uh, big breakdown show. And so this week I figured I would cover um, a game that uh, is definitely top in my uh, pile of shame, uh, none other than the highly popular uh, Silent Hill 2. Um, for those that don't know, Silent Hill 2 was an update, or was a, uh, a sequel to the original Silent Hill, although from a storyline perspective, not truly a sequel. It is a side story um, that covers characters you've never met before. Um, came out in 2001 as an early uh, PlayStation 2 release. Um, and uh, was uh, you know kind of like it was almost kind of like the uh, the Konami team kind of proving what they could do with Silent Hill if given better tech and more time. Um, having said that, the game does admittedly feel a little bit rushed. Um, things kind of come together very fast near the end, and uh, I'd heard a lot about this game, especially the fact that almost everyone who had a PlayStation Two uh, played this game got, you know, scared the hell out of them and they enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, but I'd never touched this game. And uh, having only played the original Silent Hill in the series, uh, went into it with uh, a very open mind. Um, and boy, was I pleased with uh, how it all came together. Um, I would like to point out that for the use of this, and just to keep things focused, I did play the original PlayStation 2 version of this game. I do understand there is a director's cut, and I'll delve into that as well as uh, near the end, I will delve into the different endings and what you can do. Um, go Going into it, I think everyone should know that this is definitely a spoiler cast or a, you know, I mean, this this podcast, uh, for these, these pile of shame games are really intended to either be for people who've played the game before and want to kind of go back to it without actually having to replay the game, or if you recently replayed the game, it gives you a chance to kind of, you know, listen in. Um, and if you've never played the game, maybe you could listen to this and figure out if uh, it's worth going back to or if you'd ever like to play it or just to have the information for the series. Um, you know, a lot of times I listen to podcasts about old games that I know nothing about. And uh, even though it spoils it for me, it still keeps me wanting to go back. So um, so without further ado, let's uh, jump into Silent Hill 2. Um Silent Hill 2 opens up with uh, the main character, uh, James Sunderland, and uh, it, it kind of has an interesting beginning very similar to that of, uh, of the original Silent Hill in that you kind of arrive at Silent Hill, you've got a weird reason for being there. In the first game, um, your character was uh, trying to find his daughter, you have a kind of a spin out on the side of the road, you fall, you pass out, you wake up, your daughter's gone, and so you enter into Silent Hill to kind of save her. And uh, in this game, James is coming to the town because his, uh, as you quickly discover, deceased wife has sent him a letter to come find her in Silent Hill. And despite the fact that she's deceased, and we really know nothing about her, um, he decides to go uh, to Silent Hill and find her. Um, 
you quickly find out that uh, Silent Hill is not a new town to James. He and his wife uh, came out here quite a few times, um, although it's a very different world than he remembers. Um, much like the original game, you are kind of, you know, given, it gives a third person kind of over the shoulder view with some fixed camera angles. Um, it takes a little bit getting used to because James moves kind of clunky and he's kind of slippery in his movements. And um, you're always kind of running through the town like you're drunk, <laughs> wavering back and forth. And, uh, and um, in addition, um, you know, the, the camera and controls kind of don't help you out. But to be honest with you, it's good enough that to adapt it to now, it wasn't that really hard for me. And I was able to at least navigate the town and even some of the tougher points um, with relative ease. So, um, but yeah, you get there. And the first thing you do is uh, you kind of run up to the main gates of the town and you realize they're blocked off and you, you can't get there. So you have to take kind of a roundabout. But before you delve into, you know, all that Silent Hill has to offer, uh, the first thing you want to do is catch the map on the ground. And I noticed this in almost any area. Whenever you enter a new area and you don't know it, you don't have a map for it. And there's a map button that specifically takes you straight to the map. And the map does a really good job, and this game does a really good job of, you know, because it's an exploratory game, when you hit places that you can't get into, um, one, either because they're blocked off and that's like a game design choice, or because they're locked and you can't get there yet, it marks it off on your map so you know when you have to go back to certain places, and it kind of helps you navigate the overall game very well, and later on in the game when they kind of take that feature away temporarily... Uh, you realize how frustrating this game would be if they didn't implement that. So whenever you get into a new area where you don't have a map, your number one priority is to check the floors, the walls, everywhere until you get your map. Because in almost every case, the map is very close to where you, you know, kind of enter the new area. Um, so you get the map and you start working your way to Silent Hill. And it's really interesting because as you're walking along, there's lots of fog like there was in the pa in the past game. Um, the graphics have definitely been updated, and, and I'm probably not... Um, in the majority here, but I felt they looked extremely good. I was running them on a PS3 with the up-res graphics, but it was the original PS2 version, and it looked... Uh, so it wasn't the up-res graphics of, like, the re-release. So on a PS2 with just kind of, like, the smoothing filters and stuff they can do, it looked really good. Um, but as you walk along, the sound is really what gets you. And uh, I remember hearing just screams and chattering, and you hear, like, a, ch a saw in the background, and you're going to all these unfamiliar places. And much like James himself, you know, you're kind of freaked out, you're kind of nervous, but you just keep trudging along because you really have no choice. You can either go forward or backtrack, and you know there's nothing back there for you. Um, and eventually, you end up in Silent Hill proper, and you start running around, and it's a very big area. And so at first, you're very intimidated because you're like, God, I got to go all over these places. Am I going to the right place? Am I not? There are lots of doors that you can visually see, but when you kind of click on them, nothing happens. Um, it was interesting that you know for a short while there um the the streets are barren too you know when when you get to silent hill in the first game uh, much like this one there's lots of fog you can't really see anywhere and things like that but um i think pretty quickly you know the weird creatures of the world you know show themselves and silent hill 2 takes a little bit longer to really get you into all that or perhaps it doesn't i don't know it's been a while since i played the first game but you eventually see a creature kind of walk past you it might have even been a nurse but i can't remember for sure and there's like a bloody trail and so you know if you're you know as a gamer you just kind of follow it along and of course it's gone when you get through the fog and into that area but you just keep running along and eventually you come to a new cross street and 
there's the creature again and, and it kind of takes a right. And so it's kind of leading you. And eventually you go down this uh, area till you get to a viaduct. And it looks kind of like dilapidated and run down and broken off, but you can't enter in it. And once you get in there, you find, um, you know, a creature on the ground and a weapon. And of course, right after you pick up the weapon or investigate anything, um, creature rises so <laughs> you have to fight it um this was something i also wasn't prepared for it blocks your path literally so whereas in silent hill one where I, you usually had an open space especially early on to kind of avoid combat um that's not the case in silent hill 2 at least in the beginning you you must confront this creature and fight it head on but just overall you know for those that have played it you quickly learn in silent hill 2 that there's a lot of enemies you are forced to dispatch of and there's a lot more combat heavy focus which um i don't know if it's a good idea or not but to be honest with you yeah yeah i, I guess i would say it was because it was just kind of that perfect balance because if you just avoided all confrontation whatsoever um the game becomes unnaturally tense to the point where it's frustrating and you got to keep that balance away and there were a lot of times where i tried not to kill enemies i guess you could go through uh, the game trying not to kill enemies there were a lot of times though where i did that and eventually it pissed me off so much that i was like screw it and just took out the <laughs> the areas that i was walking through the most because uh, there will be a lot of backtracking in this game um and again i don't really think in a in a bad sense because they're short backtracking it's not like a metroid game where you go back through the whole level or something it's only like going up or down a level and then through a hallway or something like that um but you take out this enemy and uh you are um once the enemy is down you leave the area and then you find the radio on the ground and the radio is very important because you can kind of use it throughout the game and i don't know you can turn it off and i don't know if that's a personal choice or what and i don't i never turned it off so i don't know if the dynamic changes kind of how the enemies act but i doubt it because any of those times where i was trying to get an enemy to like not see me or avoid them the crackling of the radio and stuff didn't change anything but this is kind of a sonar as you come close to there's no like true hud where you can see the map or anything like that which is a good thing and as you come close to an enemy or one's in your area the radio starts to crackle and fizzle and stuff like that and lets you know that something's in your realm and that's pretty good because it gets your guard up it also works um kind of from the creep factor because you're like oh my god something's here but i can't see it yet um, it works very effectively throughout the game um, because the game is, in, in my opinion, quite tense and terrifying. I don't know if there's as many like wah scares, you know, where something jumps out at you monster closet style, but those have gotten a little old for a gamer like me. Um, it's definitely a lot less of the dog through the window in Resident Evil and a lot more of like the first time you see the hunters where you know the enemy's there, they know you're there. The area you're in is not really the creepy part. The, the the creepier part is the tension of dealing with or not dealing with these enemies. And Silent Hill 2 does this really well. Um, but eventually, once you get out of there, you've got a weapon. So you feel a little more confident about your explore, exploration. I was trying to say exploratory but it didn't work anyway. Um, and you start kind of going throughout the town and you find that everything's kind of blocked off to you. And it's kind of good because you realize that this game's going to somewhat circumvent you in a, in I guess what you would consider a linear fashion, but that's, that's, that's good. Cause I, you know, especially when going back to an older game, this game being, you know, more than 10 years old, you don't want to spend all this time. The typical gamer, especially today's gamer going back to it, does not want to spend time going through this endless array of buildings and stuff like that, that are mostly empty, um, just to, to get your path. But eventually you come to a corpse at a blocked off area 
and this corpse has the apartment key. And the only other place you really kind of see when you're going around, and mind you, there are enemies kind of popping out for you, but at this point I'm doing what I did in the original Silent Hill, which is pretty much avoiding them and just staying as far away from them as possible. I don't think I really fought anyone uh, when I came up to them because you're a little too weak. You don't have much health. You know this is survival horror. You know there's going to be a lot of um, management of, of, of resources, and uh, you know you're not going to get many, or at least I did going into Silent Hill, so I knew that, you know, combat was going to be something I was going to try to avoid at all costs. So, uh, basically I go up there and I, uh, and get the apartment key. And the other place that, that I saw was a gate that was locked and there was no indication as to what to do, but it was in front of like some buildings. So I'm sure those were apartments. You go back and lo and behold, it is the apartment building. And this kind of enters the first scenario of the game. And I would say there's roughly four or five scenarios throughout the entire game. So right when you uh, use the gate key and get in there, um, you know, you have these, you know, it's kind of like two buildings. They're side by side. Um, you One's locked. You can't get into it. And so, again, like like always, it kind of circumvents you into one area. And you enter this area, and you see a red book on the wall. And I, don't, I haven't really talked about it to this point. You kind of see red books scattered throughout the game um, early on, one or two of them. And you save probably just to feel good about yourself. These are your save points. And you feel good um, just saving and knowing you're safe in case something crazy hits you. But nothing really does. Um, you know, again, it's just that high tension of what if. Um, here is, you know, kind of one of the first places where you're like, okay, I want to save here so that, cause every time you die, you have to go back to a save, not a checkpoint or anything. And so you, you kind of learn to, to save often unless you're really that confident, but me going into it with no walkthroughs, no nothing. I definitely saved. Um, you quickly find out that, you know, your only path is like the second floor and just for the interest of, uh, moving along without going too much into this area, you kind of, ransack these two buildings um, in search of keys and solving puzzles and doing things to um, kind of move yourself along. And I think the most pivotal part about this whole thing, uh, you do also get a handgun in this area. So the handgun kind of helps you, but your ammo is extremely limited. So I, I never really used it. But, you know, you're just kind of going through these apartment buildings or apartments. And I think that was one of the big things. And then a very tense area was, you know, as you enter each apartment, sometimes there are enemies. And the enemies this time around were very weird. And I, again, I haven't played Silent Hill in a long time, but I think the original game, they looked more like pterodactyl people. Whereas this literally looks like two torsos of a woman from like the groin area down kind of flipped on top of each other so torso to torso legs down and legs up and they kind of come at you and make this horrible sound and it's great and tense and especially when you got to fight them with just this board you know you're you're all just on edge and stuff like that but um you know you kind of read about some lore and things like that you uh you read about um you know a family that all died and um, you know, you're just kind of going through and, and learning things and you go between the two different apartment buildings and you start collecting weird coins and, uh, and you even, uh, find yourself outside, um, and, uh, going through like a pool area, which is very interesting and fog and everything. Um, but eventually you'll get a key that's for the end of the second level, or like the second story, which is the first level you start on. Um, you'll find a key to, you know, one of the end exits. And, uh, I honestly thought just like the other times I've had it where I've gone out on balconies and stuff like that throughout this level so far, that this was going to just be, uh, basically, um, you know, just a, another area where I can move between buildings. But when you open the door, you actually find out it gets you into a new apartment complex that's, you know, across the way. Basically, you can leap between the buildings because there's a small six-foot gap, and you end up in a new area. Um, when you end up in this new area, um, kind of um, 
one of the first things you see is like a desk and it, it, it's got a slot for the coins. But at that time, you've only got one or two of the coins and you need to get one more. And so you go wandering around and um, you go through the different apartments. And this is where you come in contact with uh, some of the other characters. And I apologize, I didn't really mention uh, some of those characters that you do, you know, kind of find in the in the beginning. And so one of those is uh, Angela. Angela is a girl who you kind of meet wandering around in the graveyards when you first get to town. And she's looking for her husband. Um, and uh, she's been through some stuff. And you eventually find her in a room. And she's got a knife in her hand. And she looks like she's about ready to kill herself. But uh, And it's over some abuse or something. Like, I think she was raped when she was a kid or something they kind of you know explain it but don't explain it um and then uh you're trying to talk her kind of down and she almost gets threatening with you on it and you almost think for a second she's going to to kill you (laughs) and eventually you talk her down and have her give you the knife and you put it in your inventory and that knife remains in your inventory uh, for the rest of the game um one thing to keep in mind is uh, you, with all like with any you know survival horror game, you basically have two options with any item. You can equip it or you can look at it. And in Silent Hill, they they have certain. They also have a combine function, but like you can only combine things that are combinable. So there's a very limited amount of choices when it does come up. And same thing with uh, equipping things. So I don't think the knife is equipable, but I stayed away from it because I knew about this this uh, mistake you can make. But if at any time throughout the game. You examine the knife, and I think it's once, possibly twice. Um, Let me see. Oh, wait, I got it in my notes. Okay, so basically, yeah, if you look at the knife, I think more than once, you will get the uh, in-water ending, which I'll cover at the end. But it's the one that pisses people off the most, and and I'm sure a lot of people who played this the first time without looking through a walkthrough or anything like that uh, have received, and it really frustrated them. But this is one of those endings. Um, but anyway, so you've got this knife in your inventory, and if you want my advice, leave it alone. <laughs> so anyway, uh, next up is uh, while you're kind of rummaging through the apartments and, and things like that, um, you'll end up in, I think it's a first floor apartment, where there's a dead body on the floor and um, um, and someone throwing up. And uh, you go into uh, the room and you meet um, probably the the, thir- or the second character you'll meet in the game, which is uh, Eddie. Eddie is uh, is a big blonde fat guy, <laughs> and he's uh, he's throwing up and he's freaking out because uh, he's uh, he's seen a guy you know kill himself. He's claiming the guy killed himself, and he can't really tell you why he's here or anything like that. But uh, he's really kind of freaking out, and and uh, you basically talk to him to. Um, allow something to show up later in the game. So it's one of the few times where, unfortunately, it's needed to kind of advance the plot. And if you don't do that, um, then you get kind of stuck. And I wouldn't say the room is very hard to see or anything like that, but it definitely, you know, leads to this whole, like, you must definitely, you know, you must explore everywhere first. Anyway, um, once you get that, you're able to enter, enter the room where you get the final key and uh, once you get the final key, or coin, sorry, once you get the final coin, you can go and you do the coin puzzle. The coin puzzle basically has you listening to, or you read a riddle and you uh, have, you know, um, three different people, the old man, the prisoner, and the snake. And uh, if you look, you see that the prisoner is actually a woman and things like that. And you got to kind of put them in the right order. Um, I didn't have too much of a hard time with this. It's a little clunky as to how you remove and add coins to the slots, but eventually you'll get it. Um, and once you do, um, you'll get the, uh, the Lynn house key. Um, so, 
um, which is uh, for room 209. On room 209, uh, you see like a note on the door that says, that, you know, this is the Lynn household. I've left the key down on the first floor where you need it or whatnot. So you go through there and uh, you get into that area. And you get uh, the apartment stairway key in that area. And once you get the apartment stairway key, if you're playing through this or if you're listening to this and taking notes, I'd highly recommend you save. Um, but I always kind of do before I enter like a, st- uh, a stairwell or something like that because I know something could happen. And something big definitely does. So this is the first time you uh, come in contact. Well, it's not the first time you come in contact with. I'm sorry. I'm kind of trying to piece this together without uh, having written out a long list so it doesn't sound like I'm just reading it out loud. But in one of the rooms you enter into, you see Pyramid Head for the first time, and he's doing something funky to, like, a bunch of these mannequins. But mostly it looks like he's killing them. But there's something weirdly sexual that it kind of looks like he's doing too. And you end up hiding in a closet while he does all this, and he leaves. And um, for those that don't know, Pyramid Head is the the very pivotal character. He's in the movie and everything. And he's just got this huge pyramid on his head. And on his body, it's kind of a muscular half naked man and he's covered in blood and has usually a huge knife with him but um when you go into the stairwell you find out that it, it right when you enter you'll see that going downward has water and in the room with uh one of those you know dual torso mannequin things and pyramid head is there and he's got his big knife and he's again doing something that looks violent and like it's killing it but it also looks kind of sexual it's really weird and messed up and uh, by this point, I had about 60 bullets in my ammo, and I thought I knew what I was doing. And, I, you know, and, and with Pyramid Head, you're in this small, confined space, which will be the first time you really have to move around and maneuver without, uh, you know, as best you can. But, you know, you've got, you've, you've got to kind of run around Pyramid Head and things like that. But I start, you know, unloading on him, and the bullets kind of sound like they're just clinging off of him but I figured well maybe eventually he'll die or something like that so I keep shooting at him and I keep running around and doing all this stuff and um, I'm focusing a little too much on shooting at him and a little less on dodging his moves and he's got one move that's a one hit kill I learned that right off the bat Um, so then I go back in there I use all 60 bullets and he's still going and again in in just a frantic attempt to get in more hits um, I got killed just by his smaller attacks which do a ton of damage still so then I reloaded the game and I was all frustrated and I was like, well, I don't think I'm supposed to kill him if that didn't happen. So instead I just dodged him and you got to do this for probably three to five minutes and it'll be the longest three to five minutes of your life. But when you get his pattern down, it's very easy to dodge every move and eventually he will go down the stairs. Um, my advice was to stay corner to corner and just kind of run away from him anytime he gets near you. Um, and when he goes downstairs, the water drains and you can go downstairs and, um, uh, when you get down there, uh, next thing you know, you can go through and boom, you're done. <laughs> so, um, as you run outside, you come in contact with, um, the third and pretty much final main character that you'll see on, or well, no, actually one, the third out of four main characters you will see in this game. And the third character is Laura. She's this little blonde girl and she's kind of hanging out out there and, um, you're like, Oh, little girl, you know what are you doing over here and and this and that? And she kind of giggles at you and then just kind of runs off. Um, And so now that you're out and about, uh, your next job, 
according to these like plot points that you know come up is that you're supposed to go to Rosewater Park and uh Rosewater Park is um it's just kind of like a a grassy area think of like almost an arb, arb arboreum or whatever um in Silent Hill and as you're running through there in the dark you end up out by kind of the uh kind of like a lakeside view and there you find uh, Maria and Maria is uh um, is is kind of in Silent Hill, and you know the first thing you'll notice about her is she's kind of provocatively dressed. She's got like a like a midriff shirt on and a, a mini skirt, and she seems kind of flirty, and she's got blonde hair and stuff like that. But what um, what James immediately notices about her is that she looks just like uh, Mary, his wife, and of course her name's Maria. This and that, um, and and he's not, you know kind of casual about it he like blatantly thinks it's his wife for a second there and kind of goes on almost in in too much detail about how much she looks like his wife um and then she's just kind of like well can you help me out can i come with you and this and that and eventually they get going um then you've got a couple of little like run through scenes you're just kind of weaving in and out of areas um and or well actually now that i think about it i think this is where james realizes that he needs to no i think that's in the hospital never mind so anyway you go through and you'll be sent to like um there's a bowling alley and a gas station and a couple other places you need to go um and eventually when you get into the bowling alley there's two interesting scenes one you find eddie again and um well first you see the little girl sorry let me let me do this all in in the right order <laughs> but you see uh you see Laura and she's kind of playing around again and again you're like what are you doing in here little girl da, da, da. and she you know just giggles with you and kind of runs away and as you're trying to find her you you bump into Eddie and Eddie's uh, found a pizza god knows how long it's been there but he's acting like it's brand new and he's just chomping away at it in the bowling alley and you're like well I'm trying to find Laura and he goes well, do what you like Anyway, you kind of wander through the Bolorama, and you have a couple of scenes here or there that are that are pretty interesting, and and this and that. But eventually, um, you end up getting a key for the hospital. Uh, the Brookhaven Hospital is just right there, near you in town, and you and Maria um, head out to the Brookhaven Hospital. Um, this will start the second scenario of the game, um, and uh, when you get into the hospital. Um, you immediately start noticing that the game's going to kind of ramp up. So you can save, and as you start going through, um, you notice, uh, you know, you get a shotgun. Uh, the nurse enemy makes her appearance, and she's, you know, pretty creepy. They kind of wander around, and they've got, um, they're much harder to kill. Um, you've upgraded, you now have a pipe as a weapon and then you've obviously got your handguns and stuff like that. But they're, like I said, they're much harder to kill. They move much quicker. They do more damage. And basically once you tackle a couple of these, you get to the point where you're going to want to, uh, shoot the nurses whenever you get the opportunity. Um, but in here, and this is a very, uh, long kind of level. I found myself exploring a lot cause you go through there are hall, there's three floors and each hallway has kind of like, Oh, at least 20 patient rooms plus little side rooms here and there. A lot of creepiness because a lot of like casual noises and things like that. And that crackle plus the nurses coming at you. There's even rooms where you'll enter and two nurses will be there waiting for you. But you eventually find this room um, that uh, that has a box. And the box has like two combinations and like three other things that need keys. And you basically spend most of the hospital wandering around and doing that stuff. And along the way... 
um, you do notice Maria gets into a room and she doesn't feel very good and she wants to lay down and why you would be in this dilapidated blood soaked hospital and go to like a room with a bloodstained mattress and suddenly say, I want to lay down is beyond me, but you do it and she, she does it and you agree to it and you just kind of wander around and stuff like that. Um, but eventually you do end up, um, you know, wandering through the hospital. And, um, when you're about to get the final thing, um, you go up on the roof where you, where you think the final item you're looking for is, and this comes with your second encounter that really kind of made me jump, which is you get onto the roof and all of a sudden you turn a corner and pyramid heads there and you don't get to pick this. You don't get to do anything. He basically grabs you, tackles you, throws you over the edge and you fall through the ceiling and smack down on the ground. And hopefully you've saved up some, some health kits because because you do uh, go down to like almost dead. <laughs> you wake up in uh, in what was previously a locked off like crazy room where all the people in the padded rooms were. And uh, you get your final, uh, uh, I think it's a combination. And you go and you unlock all the boxes. And out of all that, you just get a piece of hair. But you have like a fishing hook that you've gotten. And you get to go into a room with like a clogged up drain and pull out. Um, and basically pull out what you need. Um, and then... Uh, well, basically from there, what you do, you're moving around and I, I think you have a choice to go back and see Maria or not, but I went back and saw her so many times and she just said she was tired and had I seen Laura and all this stuff um, because I think the whole reason, and again, this is a little lost on me because I had to break this section up into a lot. It was a long section, so I had to break it up a lot, but you're there. I think that's how you guys end up in the hospital is Laura's there and you kind of chase her over there. And so that's why you're trying to find her. And, um, you end up, um, if you go downstairs, you end up, or you go down to, I think the first level anyway, in a hallway, you find her. Um, and, uh, the second you find her, she just starts playing kind of a fun game of hide and go seek, um, with you. And then eventually she goes, okay, I want to show you something real quick. I found Mary, your wife. And Laura already knows that she can kind of manipulate you in this way. And she's always kind of creepy because she's got that eight year old girl that knows a little too much kind of vibe about her. And you as a player versus James, you know, are kind of always with your guard up, but, uh, you get into a cutscene that's completely unavoidable where she leads you into a room and you kind of see it coming. And she closes and locks the door on you. And then you're stuck in this, uh, I think it's an autopsy room, but it might be like a kitchen or something. Um, but, uh, and, and once you reach the back of the room, you start to notice something. And there are these like demons in cages that kind of come out of the ceiling and kind of rotate throughout the ceiling. And you end up having to fight them. And uh, for this one, uh, kind of like the same method as before, you just work the fixed camera angles. It's kind of a bitch, but uh, on the plus side, whenever you ready a weapon, like in Resident Evil, it just kind of aims at like the nearest enemy. And so you just kind of run the corners and uh, just unload shotgun shells on these guys. I think you can get off pretty much two shots before, you know, you have to try again. And this game does give you one little break from the tension where when you pause, everything kind of freezes and you can use that to reload and catch your wits and things like that. Um, but there's like three of these guys and one once you kill them, uh, you kind of figure out your way through. And of course, when you come out, um, your uh, Laura is nowhere to be seen, and you actually end up in a different area. And now the hospital has changed. Um, the The actual layout of the hospital is completely the same, um, but now, like all your doors have erased, so all the doors that were locked and or open before have all gone away, and you kind of have this almost this new scenario of the hospital. And so, um, one of the first things I did was, um, uh, you know, you have access to an elevator. I headed up to, uh, 
to where uh, Maria was. And of course, of course, the nurses all come back and they're new enemies and all this crap. And you're just like, oh my God. But uh, you go look for her and she's not there. And, um, and, and your next job is to just kind of traverse this area again and, um, make your way to, uh, to eventually where you need to get to, which is down in the basement. And, um, you do eventually do get the, uh, the basement key and you go back to the hallway, but, um, from, and this is the same because it's the same hospital before the, the basement was blocked off and it still is. And so there's gotta be another way. And you kind of see over by the elevator on the on the third floor that um, there's a doorway that leads to another stairwell and that's probably where it is. And when you go up there, there's, there's two rings kind of missing. So you find yourself uh, wandering around trying to find these rings. And it's about this time that you touch base with Maria again. She gets really mad at you because um, you know, you didn't come find her and she could have died and things like that. And uh, you end up uh, in an area where you check a refrigerator and uh, there's not too many enemies in these areas and uh, you get one ring and it's a copper ring. And you, if you go check the door, which is what I did, you realize you can put the ring on there. So I'm like, okay, there's another ring. So you go wandering around and eventually you find um, the lead ring and then you can uh, do all of those to go unlock the door. But as you're taking the elevator up to the door, this, you get this interesting show called the trick or treat game and it's like a radio show and it tells you uh, some trivia questions that are about the game and uh, they're very interesting and I'll leave it at that because if you've played them, you probably don't remember them too well uh, and if you haven't, uh, it's no big deal and it tells you trivia in kind of three ways. One, on how you remember the layout of Silent Hill in this game, which is a little hard, but I remember the the questions being, or the answers being just dynamic enough that it was um, easy to discern them. And then the other ones are a question about um, about uh, James himself, I think. And then the, there was a question from the first game. So you better know your stuff. But uh, basically, as you're you're going to uh, uh, to leave and go into the basement, um, there is uh, there is an area where you can enter into. It's the storeroom where, um, which is right near the stairwell where everything's blocked. And and previously, had you done things like that, um, you, 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 uh, were able to find supplies. And so now when you go in there, there's this fun little box. <laughs> and if you go in there and you basically, your answers are the combination of the box. And if you're right, you get a bunch of stuff. If not, you get sprayed with like a gas and, uh, you're back to like the red heartbeat thing. And, and, uh, luckily there's a save point right there. So the first time I was wrong on one of the questions. And so when I nearly died, I reloaded the game and then went back and, and tried it again, um, which is probably cheating, but I, I really didn't care. But anyway, so you open up the basement and right when you get down there, um, like right when you enter the basement, there's this long hallway and you hear this big thud. And like Maria even says something like, James, what is that? And um, there's something coming at you. And again, maybe this was intended to get you to try to fight the thing. I don't know. But it just looks like a big executioner thing chasing after you in the shadows. And I knew better than to just wait around. So I just took off running. And it's a weird kind of windy stairway and you always get or hallway and you always get backed up because it changes to a new angle. So you've got to readjust yourself. But I just kept running. And occasionally this thing was hitting Maria, but she seemed to stay alive. And I get all the way to the end of the hall and there's an elevator there. And I slide in and the elevator starts closing and Maria's running. You see this big guy there and she gets stuck in the elevator and you get to watch her get just bludgeoned by this thing and just chopped up. And then you end up at the bottom of the elevator all upset and um, 
and you basically save and, and leave the hospital. Um, and, uh, that was, that was pretty intense. Not only was I just like totally like freaked out from, uh, from the, from the standpoint of, you know, just having this thing chase after me. Um, but then when Maria dies at the end, I was really nervous and I was like, God, what did I do wrong? You know? And after I beat the game, I went back and looked and it turns out that that's kind of, as far as I know, the only thing that can happen. Maria has to die and you have to watch her die. Um, after that, you end up in Silent Hill again, and it's dark now. Um, there's a lot more enemies, which isn't that big a deal. And there's a lot of things scattered around. You're in a new part of town and it's dark and it makes it kind of a pain in the butt. And I remember spending a long time trying to get to the next area. Your goal is to get over to the historical society, but you got to do a lot of weird things and kind of wander around the town and collect stuff while you're doing it. Um, this was admittedly my least favorite part of the game. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like bouncing. You go back and forth between Western and Northern Silent Hill. There is a part where you walk through a viaduct area and there are creatures underneath you and you just run and you can get away from them. But occasionally I would get hit and I didn't know why. Um, but if you go wandering a lot, and I wandered a lot because I had no idea where the hell I was going, there are a couple of save points so when you die you don't go back too far. And I never really died or had any issues with it um and i found a ton of supplies they're ampules which are huge health gainers there's tons of ammo around uh, there's rifle ammo and i didn't have a rifle yet but i assumed i would and i did but uh a lot of interesting things and eventually um you know you uh you end up heading back and there's a couple of areas you're supposed to check you again, just like with the uh, apartment complex to the hospital, you get these areas that you're supposed to check out. And as you do, um, you, you basically make your way, um, to, uh, getting the key for the historical society and you end up have, uh, heading over that way. And so when you do, um, you end up in, in this interesting historical society and it's all kind of creepy, but there's not really much going on. Um, but eventually, uh, you explore and explore and explore, and there's this like big hole in one of the <laughs> in one of the rooms, and you look down there, and it's like it's all black. You know, do you want to get down there? And there was just something about it. I was like, no, there's no way in hell I want to go down there. But eventually, as you explore the historical society for about 20 minutes, you realize there's nowhere else to go, and you have to jump in this hole. And when you do, it's another annoying thing because you kind of get a hint from a, a letter or something that there's an opening somewhere in the bottom but you're basically in the bottom of a well and everything just looks broken and um supposedly if you search around enough james will find an area you can break and, and find the doorway into uh you know the next area but i could never find it so i finally just got pissed off and and gave myself the pipe and just started bashing around everywhere and <laughs> when you hit the right spot it reveals the door but uh, again without a walkthrough that was um, a very annoying spot and had i had that not worked, I probably would have finally consulted a walkthrough, but I did manage to do it. Um, I would like to point out at this point, most people seem to beat this game in about seven hours, maybe nine hours. Um, I'm already at like probably seven hours into the game and I'm like, okay, I am moving at a much slower pace. But again, I don't know where I'm going and I don't know what I'm doing. So that probably has a large part of it. And you kind of make your way through this like underground system and eventually you end up in the prison. Um, and uh, I think it's technically called Toluca Prison, um, but uh, I, I thought of it more as an asylum. <laughs> but um, when you get in there, um, you see well, none other than Eddie, um, which was not what I was expecting. And uh, Eddie's now changed a little bit. He's curled up in a corner and he's got a gun in his hand. And he talks about how people kind of made fun of him when he was a kid for being fat and things like that. 
and now he's going to take matters into his own hands. And now there's another dead body on the floor, but Eddie ain't throwing up anymore. Eddie kind of admits to you that he shot the guy in the head, or maybe he says he didn't, but you get the very distinct impression he did. And he gets kind of crazy, and like with, um, excuse me, like earlier in the game with Angela, you kind of go and coax him and talk to him, and you think that he's going to give you the gun, but this time he doesn't. This time he gets real standoffish with you and kind of runs off. And so you know that Eddie's going to be a problem if you do come face to face with him. But after that, you move on and you kind of walk through this prison. I guess, yeah, it is more of a prison than an asylum. And this is where the setting really starts to set in. It gets really creepy, like the hospital and the old apartment building. Those were kind of eerie, but this is really creepy. You're like underground. There's lots of cages, lots of things like that. There are cells where all of a sudden enemies just come out of nowhere. Um, but again, it's all this, the ominous feel of the whole thing is is the bigger part and not really, um, you know, the, uh, the actual enemies or anything themselves. And... Um, you end up, you know, kind of scouring through all this. Again, I kind of skip forward with the gameplay parts because it's really just, you know, going through it and the little jumps and scares and crazy stuff that happens. Um, but, yeah, eventually um, you do end up in a very interesting place, and that is that through the course of uh, kind of solving this, you have to go into a lower area of the prison, and uh, it's it's kind of one of those famous scenes where y you get on the elevator and it only has enough weight for a human and there's like a locker to put your stuff in. And uh, you put like a couple of things in there and then you go try and it won't let you. And you do eventually have to put everything in there, including your flashlight, and kind of go down into this uh, basement area all on your own. And it, it's really creepy and really sucks. <laughs> but you know what? Truthfully, there's not a lot of enemies there and you, you get something to defend yourself pretty early on and, and things like that. But... Um, eventually you solve that and, uh, you do end up, uh, getting to a point where, um, you, you start what I would like to call just the descend and you start going through a bunch of holes. Um, you get all your inventory back, you get back to the elevator area and you unlock a couple of things and you get a bunch of holes that just make you kind of jump deeper and deeper. And actually, I think right before you do this, you do come across a cage where Maria's there and she's alive again. And she's telling you that what you saw was alive, but you need to really go help her and things like that. And that's kind of the last you'll see of her for a while. Anyway, so you go into these, uh, this descend and you end up in this area where um, basically there's a couple enemies, but uh, it's really just a T-junction. And in either place, there's a, there's a ladder. When you head down you know, there are different walkways and things like that. And there's a lot of enemies and there's a pyramid head and everything. Um, but it's really, you know, kind of a, a maze um, of just moving throughout sewers and, and walkways and hallways and, and ladders. And um, again, without a, uh, it kind of puts everything together on your map as you explore it. But without a proper walkthrough, this was a bitch and I finally just got mad and uh, couldn't get through it and I went on GameFAQs and pulled up the walkthrough and the walkthrough just basically tells you like six steps to get to the end if you just uh, follow these simple functions and I had been walking in circles for at least over an hour by this time my save game time was probably nine hours and I was just done and uh, this is probably the part where you know like I said if you if you don't have a walkthrough this is the one spot you'll want to use it at but it, you get through the maze very well very easily and you end up um over in an area where you hear a scream and as you walk through um, the doorway um, you end up uh, um, in a room that basically is comprised of and you find out that the screams were coming from Angela 
and um, I think she's thinking it's her dad or something, and I don't really know the re- – again, it's really kind of vague, but uh, you end up up against a guy who's like part of a door. It's like a blob thing that's got a door in between it. Anyway, you fight this thing, and it's actually really easy to kill. It takes just a few bullets and things like that, and down it goes. Um, you know, just, I just use the shotgun. And then you end up uh, going through the room and uh, going to the next room, and you – bump into Eddie and um and Eddie is now completely insane and he's trying to kill you so you shoot him a couple of times and he ends up running into a meat locker and you go in there and meet up with Eddie and then it's kind of a game of um I mean you can go balls to the wall if you've got enough health but I I chose to be a little more tactical about it um, because I'm boring like that and uh, I did like a cat and mouse game of hiding behind meat waiting for him to poke his head out and I had the rifle and I just uh, shoot him and it doesn't take too long. I want to say five or six rounds with the rifle and down he goes. Um, and then as Eddie's dying, you know, you kind of have your, your break with him. And, uh, and then when you leave out the, the large double doors, there's, um, there's a, a like a, a canoe there and you get in the canoe, um, or the boat and you, or the rowboat and you kind of row your way towards light and it feels like you're not going the right way. You're not making any progress, but there's this light in the distance and there's tons of fog and I'm waiting for something to leap out of the water and grab me, but it really doesn't. Um, and, uh, I eventually end up docking where the light was and you're at the, the Lakeview hotel. And, uh, if you've been paying attention and I know I didn't do the greatest job of explaining, but some point in time between you finding Maria and, and things like that, you realize that you need to get to the Lakeview hotel. So this is kind of the beginning of the end game. Um, obviously many of the characters you've come across have died already and, um, and you, you kind of get the feeling this is where it's all going to come to a head. So, um, you go through the hotel there's lots of interesting and creepy stuff you learn. There's a tape that you need to find because um, your special room with uh, with Mary was room 312. And you go and, and you see the tape and there's there's all kinds of other stuff like that. Um, and again, it's it's just another thing. But now that, that guy with the door in between him has become a regular character. It's tons of enemies. There's, you know, mannequins and, and, and nurses and guys with doors. And there's there's plenty to go around. But you're never really too strapped for ammo or anything like that. So as long as you're being careful about who you're killing and whatnot, you should be fine. Um, I would like to point out at the front there is a, uh, a little uh, – there's like a, a – uh, like two wells and one of them even though it looked like it had nothing at it did have like a, uh, a a music box that has the mermaid on it and i spent a long time trying to figure out where um where the final music box was and eventually finding it there because once you enter the hotel there's really little reason for you to leave and so you don't think that's where you're supposed to go but it, it does solve a, a puzzle later on um, anyway, when you uh, finally get the tape, you come to learn that uh, Mary died because she got really sick and um, and she kind of died on you. But there's some question as to whether or not she committed suicide and all this fun stuff. But um, anyway, once you leave the room, it's kind of like the hotel all over again. You uh, end up in um, the hotel, but now everything's changed. And you have to go basically redo the hotel. But at this point, you're like getting near the end point. And so you just die in to see how this all plays out. And so, um, and so, you know, you just start walking through and eventually you end up, um, uh, you end up down into kind of like a, a, uh, area of, of basement and things like that. And you come to, um, 
you come to a boss which is uh, multiple pyramid heads <laughs> and you're in this weird room that looks kind of like a chessboard i think and um you know it, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty easy battle all things considered you just basically you know dodge and shoot dodge and shoot and you just want to make sure you don't do too much um a lot of different people have a lot of different theories, I'm sure. Um, for me, I just chose to use the shotgun and pull off as many you know, shots as I could at close range um, and moving as fast as I could. Um, and eventually, when you, when you take them out, they both kind of like freeze in place and they each give you an egg. And when you use those eggs on the different doors, um, you end up walking up into this kind of it's almost like I think it's the roof of the hotel, but it's it's like it's like attic style. Um, so think of like an attic with like all the weird loose floorboards, and it's kind of just like dilapidated. Um, and you take on the final boss, and uh, this is where things get a little weird um, because after doing some research, I found out that there's a couple of different ways this ending can come about. But in mine, uh, James finds Mary up in the attic and, um, it ends up being, and she's like coming on to him and stuff. And he somehow realizes it's Maria rejects her and Maria becomes the final boss. Um, which is like this caged crazy thing with flies or wasps all over. And, and basically you fight her and, uh, you know, when you kill her, you get one of two endings. If you had, um, looked at the knife um you will get the uh the in water ending where basically to wrap up the game um uh james commits suicide um and kind of joins maria or maria mary um and then in the uh the the rebirth um or not the rebirth uh sorry the uh the the leave ending is it's called um he basically uh gets to um see Mary for a final moment and, and kind of wraps things up and, you know, she lets him know that her death was not his fault and he kind of gets some mementos and things like that, reads some letters from her. And then, um, he goes, uh, basically, and it's all in cutscene, but he basically goes downstairs and he grabs Angela, you know, who's, who's been up there. Um, and everything's good. I should also point out that I just remembered something, um, which is that uh, in that final scene with the two pyramid heads, what kind of leads up to it is you see Maria pinned upside down. She's been captured after you saw her in that cage right before entering um, the uh, the the labyrinth area, the the maze area, um, and then you see her again, and the pyramids kill pyramid heads kill her. I think the one ongoing thing is there's always these moments where you feel like you can save her. Maybe if you had done something different or whatever, but they're all in cutscene or out of your control, and they do actually every single time uh, she dies. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but uh, and so this is the most traditional and probably the intended first ending that you're supposed to get. And so in that intentional first ending, um, it's that, you know, James gets forgiven for Maria's stuff and then he takes his stuff and he leaves. Uh, this is the ending I got and it was very fulfilling. Um, again, in total, I believe there are five endings to the game. Um, and uh, and so the other three are um, pretty much you can only get those. Um, after you beat the game once, I believe. Um, yes, yes, if I'm thinking about it right, because Maria and Rebirth are the other two endings you can get um, when you're doing like a, a second time through the game. I think it saves it as a as you've beaten it and then you replay again. And then Dog requires that you uh, have gotten um, Rebirth, Leave, and In Water. But anyway, um, 
So rebirth um, is when you go through the game a second time, there are new there are four items that are hanging out, um, and these four items um, basically um, allow you to um, pretty much go back and uh, and um, and change what happens when you when you get to the very end of the game. Um, but uh, basically, you collect like. Uh, uh, you collect um, like a book and a newspaper and things like that. And um, when you get to um, the very end of the game and you beat it, what happens is, but basically once you beat the game, he takes her body and he goes and resurrects her. But it's weird because I watched the ending on YouTube and it's just a very ominous ending where it kind of explains that he's going to revive her, but you never really see what happens. And there's no real twist. Um but uh, yeah, anyway, um, the next one up is um, the Maria ending, um, which is very interesting. Um, apparently, it's it's a bear to get to, but basically, when Maria's with you, you have to um, literally do a bunch of things, and one of those is uh, you don't want to head off a, 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 across your path, um, and uh, you want to head towards the hotel, it looks like. And then the bowling alley. Uh, you never let Maria get hit by enemies. You can't hit her yourself like accidentally. When you drop her off to sleep, you make sure you stay there for a while. Um, and then you have to make a number of return visits. And she did change, because I kept checking in on her, she did change her, her words each time. Um, when you run all the way to the end of the hall at the end of the game, um, you don't want to... Uh, let anything change and don't talk or, or do anything crazy. Um, and, and definitely don't get any of the other endings. And apparently you get the Maria ending, which, uh, which is kind of an interesting take on, uh, the ending because basically Mary's up there instead of Maria trying to trick you and, um, you kill your wife, like, uh, you know, as the final boss, the final boss will always kind of be the same because it was always Mary to begin with. But anyway, when you kill her and you're leaving town, you uh, bump into Maria and she's there and you know, you kind of admit that you're in love with her and things like that. And you guys leave the town thinking everything's going to be good, but ominously she starts coughing and said, she's been feeling kind of ill lately. And if you've watched, this is very similar actions as you see um, on that VHS tape of Maria dying or of Mary dying. So it in, insinuates that James is going to go through this whole thing all over again because um, Maria will die in the same way Mary does. Um, and then the, the final ending, which is kind of a joke, is the UFO ending. And uh, it's impossible for me to get. Um, it's also known as the dog ending. Um, it's impossible for me to get because um, uh, because uh, it's not in the original PS2 game. But uh, basically, <laughs> what ends up happening um, in order to get that ending, you have to get all the other ones. And then, um, when you go out West, uh, to Rosewater park, um, you can head South and then there's this little area in the middle, um, where there's a dog house and you can get the dog key. And then once you get to room three, one, two in the hotel and start watching the video, um, you get this ending and, uh, basically the ending <laughs> hilariously suggests that, uh, a dog, um, has been controlling, him the whole time and uh um um and basically that uh james is abducted um 
by uh, by aliens uh, with the help of uh, Harry from the first game, and so it kind of connects the the weird UFO ending from the first game and the second game. So anyway, so that's all the various ways that Silent Hill can end, um, and basically that's it for Silent Hill Two. Um, a very interesting game, lots of reasons to replay it, I guess. But that first time through is just tense and you know while I was playing through this game um, like I said a lot less jump scares but I was definitely talking about it on Twitter where um, the game just puts you on edge and I found it hard to go to sleep every night when I was doing it because I was usually taking caffeinated beverages such as um, Diet Coke or or coffee or something like that and um, and occasionally monster energy drinks and that was just to kind of stay awake as I kind of get into the game which is a little slow pace but then you would get to these tense moments and usually right after those you're like okay I'm done for the night you'd save and I'd go to bed and my body would just be so kind of charged from those tense moments that I would have to like watch something or, or, or read a little bit before I could you know kind of fall asleep because my, my heart was just racing and my body was just so so pumped from playing it but uh, anyway um, little side note things um, the the Basically, every version that came out after the version I have, which is the Xbox version, which is called the Director's Cut, as well as any PS2 version that's the Greatest Hits or Platinum label, um, gives you an additional... uh, gives you some additional stuff and uh, apparently cleans things up and makes things change a little bit as far as the gameplay. But uh, most people agree that this is not very noticeable. One thing it does do is add in the dog ending. And um, another thing it definitely does is add in some backstory for Maria called Born from a Wish. Um, and basically it tells um, – it's something you can play and it tells the story of Maria up and until the moment she bumps into James. Um, I'm told this is actually very interesting. Um, since it's more of like a demo than anything else and it's very short, I think I'm going to you know go look this up on uh, YouTube. But uh, I only found out about it as I'm researching it um, right before this show, so I didn't get a chance to see it. But it's called Born from a Wish if you want to see it. Um, and, uh, and then there's, there's a couple other versions of this game that came out. Obviously there is the, uh, there's a windows version that came out. I don't know much about it. No one talks about the versions as to whether or not this is just a port from the PS2 version or this, uh, director's cut version. I would assume it's probably the director's cut, which has the extra stuff in there. Um, there was a silent hill box set that came out that gave you a silent hill two, three, and four on PS2 that also has the better version of the game. And, uh, and uh, that version, you know, again, you probably won't see it. It'll probably be broken up. But if you can find it all together, uh, I'm told all three of these games are great. And I ended up picking them all up. Um, but last but not least, there is the HD remake. And uh, this is kind of a controversial one. Uh, from what I understand, the 360 version is horrible. It's so bad that many parts of it are unplayable. Frame rate drops, glitches, things like that. It's even been recalled by Konami where you can send it in and get a different game instead. Um, so I would avoid that at all costs. Uh, I will say that Silent Hill 2... And three, both of those games on the regular Xbox will play on a 360, no problem. There's mild ghosting effects, but people say there's nothing really to worry about. As for the PS3 version, I'm told, again, it's a little clunky and glitchy, and it doesn't really update the graphics at all. Um, But... I'm told that if you do want to get the HD collection and you don't want to spend the money for the PS2 versions or, or whatever, they're harder to find, um, that this version is completely serviceable. So you really have many ways you can play these games um, if you really want to. Um, but yeah, that's it for Silent Hill 2. Um, thanks everybody who said I really should play it. I think it's a great uh, horror game and definitely the most tense game I've played so far. But again, I haven't played Fatal Frame and I hear there's a reason why Silent Hill 2 is played by so many and uh, and things like that and uh, why Fatal Frame was too. 
2, and a lot of people stopped after that. So I'm very pleased to have played it, and uh, I'll definitely try to get the most out of it. But uh, I will be playing Fatal Frame at some point, and I'll be talking about it. Um, also, I guess the movie is based off of Silent Hill 2, and I, I don't remember the movie too much. I remember not liking it all that much. But either way, uh, maybe I'll go back and rewatch it before the next movie comes out and just see what it's like. Um, so, uh, but that's about it. So, um, I, I definitely want to thank a couple people. Definitely Sean Freeman for telling me I need to go back and play this now. And, uh, definitely for Tom Worthington for telling me it's, it's a solid game and I uh, definitely something any gamer should, uh, drop everything. And if you call yourself a Halloween gamer, knock it out this year. And so I was very pleased that I did, um, and that it was still kind of relevant with the HD remakes. Um, but, uh, okay. So next week, next week's going to be the obscure, uh, survival horror podcast where I play a lot of games that probably nobody has played. Um, namely overblood for the PS one, um, enemy zero for the Saturn, which is truly uh, D two, even though the D two that came out on dreamcast is the true sequel. This has the main character from D though, and does like an interesting sci-fi sequel. Um, Obscure, which was available on the PS2, P, uh, Xbox, and PC, um, which is kind of a B-film, kids in a high school horror game. And then, last but not least, Rule of Rose, a game I had to fight really hard to find, but did manage to find this Atlas rarity um, that has kind of like... I'm told the gameplay is not as good as the story, but the story is really good. And it's a bunch of creepy girls trapped in um, kind of like an orphanage and uh, kind of how they relate to one another. Um, I will have gameplay video on most of these games, Obscure being the only one not, because I'm playing it on 360 and have no way to capture it on my HD ca- or on my SD capture card. Uh, but look for that. That was supposed to go up on Halloween, but because of server space, because there's so many Wednesdays this month, uh, it will be going up November 1st on Thursday. So sorry, guys, but hopefully you'll enjoy it. Just realize it's server space. Uh, I only get basically an allotment of four shows a month. Um, and uh, and so that's what's going on. Also, just to remind you guys, um, there's a contest going on till October 31st where if you write in, leave a comment, leave um, a tweet, anything like that, you are entered to win a uh, retro game. And uh, I'll be announcing that uh, the winner of that shortly, and that will also have uh, the retro game. So actually, I'll announce it on the podcast that goes live Thursday, November 1st. So look for it there. Uh, it obviously will also go up on the main site in case you're not a podcast listener and you win. But of course, I, I have a way of getting in contact with you anyway. Um, then coming up on November, uh, it's going to be like November 13th or 14th. It's whatever that is right before Epic Mickey 2 comes out. Um, I'm going to try to have, uh, well, I'm going to, me and Trees are going to be on the show talking about the Genesis game, um, uh, Mickey Mouse Castle of Illusion. We've been playing through that, and so we'll be talking about it all, do a lot of stuff where I cover some Mickey Mouse games for the week, and I also will have gameplay video of Castle of Illusion. So that'll be a lot of fun. You still have time, about three weeks, to pick it up and play through it, and uh, that should be more than enough time for this game. Um, there's no save points, so you're really just learning the game and, and knocking through a platformer that's uh, that's been I've, I've thoroughly been enjoying. Um, so that's about what's up and coming, and then after that, we're going to do a game club. So you know, on that day, I'll pick a new game, and you know whether it's solo or not, I'll, I'll be discussing it. So definitely look for it. So anyway, um, it's Gaming History 101 at GamingHistory101.com. This is Fred. Um, you can find this podcast also if you have friends who are looking for it. We are obviously on iTunes and um, and at uh, GamingHistory101.podbean.com, and of all, of course, all the podcasts are also on the website. But I did add us to Stitcher as well. So if you're on Stitcher, uh, definitely like me. Let's let's try to get some rankings up there let's maybe see if i can um, expand outside of my audience and get a lot more people coming because uh, i i just like to get more feedback and and more people in on the show um so that's about it with that um i hope you guys are having a good time and have a safe halloween and i will see you in roughly a week uh, to talk about the obscure uh, survival horror games um and with that uh, have a good week <laughs>